Well, good morning. Um, welcome, Fellowship Asheville, whether you're here in person or, or joining us online, glad to have you. My name is Fred. I get to be the lead pastor here. If you're new here and I didn't get a chance to say hi on the way in, please uh, catch me and, and let me get to know you a little bit after uh, the service. And here's what I hope happens for us today as we, as we uh, continue on in our, in our Advent series, our Christmas series today. Um, particularly, I hope this, I hope and pray that as a church, we are, are healed more than when we came in. We are encouraged more than when we came in. And, and ultimately, and I think this is the only way those two things can happen, is that we believe the gospel more when we finish than we do uh, right now. Because if that happens, that means God's word is doing what only God's word can do. And show you areas where belief is needed more than what you're using right now to, to, to get through it. And on that note, let me, let me throw out some, some, some comments and see if any of these resonate with you, right? Let's see if any of these rings true with you, particularly during this Christmas season, right? Particularly during the month of December. Uh, you feel like you're just keeping up. Right? You often feel like you can't stop, take a break, or slow down. Many days, you are exhausted, overwhelmed, and feel burnt out. You often, you find yourself, you often get sick. Maybe you even suffer from, from, from chronic stress, anxiety, or depression. You say, often in your head, this is too much. What's the point of all this? Yet, you keep saying yes to things and adding more stuff on your list of stuff to do. You feel a constant sense of urgency, even though nothing is really urgent. And you know that in your head, but your body is telling you, you've got to go, 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 go. Right? When you do take time to rest, you don't actually enjoy it. You notice your frustration, agitation, maybe even your anger increases. Even if you enjoy what you do, you still feel something deep down inside of you saying, this can't be what life is all about. All right Now, without raising your hand, without elbowing anybody, right? do any of these sound a little bit familiar? Do any of these thoughts bounce around in your head? And if so then I think today's message is going to be helpful, and here's why. Because if, if any of these ring true, right, it could be that you are prone to or addicted to the thing that's going to fill in the blank today, the blank that stole Christmas is this, is busyness, right? Anybody feel busy this time of year? All right, so that was actually a response question. I know I said before, I know I said before, don't raise your hand, don't elbow anybody, but now it's a response question, uh, just to let me know you're here, which is nice. So, so and online, you can, you can raise a hand and, and say yes. Anybody feel busy this time of year? Like with, yes, yes, we all do, don't we? Well, here's what busyness, here's what busyness can, can do, like the, the, the negative side of busyness. Busyness can actually distract you from doing the deeper work and deeper things that you need to do, right? The more meaningful task of life. Bu busyness can actually be a form of escape, 
right? That if you stay busy, you don't have to deal with the stuff that really stresses you out, right? Busyness can even create this false sense of self-worth, that, that if my schedule is full, then I obviously have a full life. But that's not true, is it? Right? Research shows that busyness, get this, can be like a drug addiction, right? Which is why rest feels like withdrawal, right? It's why rest feels like you just can't do it. You can't slow down. You've got to find something to do to keep yourself busy. Now, here's why this topic is so near and dear to me. For a long time, in really my formative years, my 20s, uh, even into my early 30s, I really thought a full schedule meant a full life. And literally, like during my college years, my day was full from about 9 o'clock in the morning till midnight with all really good stuff, but it was just completely full of stuff. And it was when I became a Christian and I joined a, a Christian community, I joined a church community, that I was taught that there is a difference between a full schedule and a full life, that those two things don't actually equal the same thing. And they taught me a way to slow down. They taught me a solution to this. And they taught me something that I'll be honest with y'all, uh, I learned it then, I'm still learning it now, but here's what's really great. There's a part of what I learned then that I didn't know existed then that it was really just the past few years that I've learned that this part that we're going to talk about is part of this bigger part that I'm about to talk about. And I didn't know that this part was here and I still feel kind of guilty for doing it because here's what they taught me. They taught me there's this thing called Sabbath, right? They taught me there's this thing called Sabbath where I can rest and then I've learned the past few years that fun is actually part of Sabbath, right? Now, that's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? Pete Scazzaro is the one that kind of introduced this idea to me. I mean, not, I mean, his book did, not him. I don't know him. Um, uh, but his book did because he uses this word delight, that during the Sabbath we are to worship, we are to rest, and we are to delight. And that all of those things are part of Sabbath. And what I hope we're able to do today is, is I hope we're able to, to, to see how this is part of the good news of Jesus Christ. That we can actually delight in what's happening in our day. Because here's the deal. This idea of play, this idea of fun, here's, here's the benefits of it. You know, I said here's what happens, the negative side of busyness. In kids, uh, when kids just have time to play, they actually increase their vocabulary, they increase their problem-solving skills, they increase their creativity, they even increase their ability to process math. One of the things that, one of the, the things I loved about Seth's school that he went to is that all the way through, even through their senior year, they had recess after lunch, Right? There were these, these, these young men bodies out in the playground playing Foursquare after lunch. And it was so good for them to be able to, to process and play. And adults, play, having fun can relieve stress. It can improve brain, brain function. It can improve creativity. You didn't hear that. It can improve creativity. I said function, right? Yes. This isn't the fun we're having today, people. No. All right? It can, it can make your brain work better. 
right? How about that? It can, it can increase your energy. It can increase your productivity. And here's what I mean by fun, right? When I say fun, fun is, is time specifically set aside to enjoy joy. That's what fun is. It's time set aside to enjoy joy. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going we're to walk through the whole Bible real quick, right? And here's what I hope that we're going to see. We're going to see how enjoying joy, how, how this idea of maybe even fulfilling fun is part of our worship and is part of our Sabbath, and it's helpful to, to every day in our life. All right, so, so like I said, today's going to be a little different. We're not anchoring in one text, so, so there's not going to be this open your Bible to this part of your Bible section. So just sit back and relax and enjoy. I'll have the text up there for us to look at, and we're going to start in Genesis and go all the way to Revelation. And I want us to see what the work of Jesus did and how that gives us the ability to delight and how that gives us the ability to, to enjoy joy and have fun. All right, so, <clears throat> excuse me, so the Bible starts in Genesis. Do y'all know uh, where uh, the actual place, where is it called that, that the Bible starts? Adam and Eve and God are where? In, in e, they're in a garden, right? They're in Eden, right? And, and it's this great garden. God created, he created the space for them, and he, he put them in this place, and it was an amazing place full of animals and, and full of warmth. At least I hope it was warm because they didn't have any clothes on, right? So I hope, it, I hope it was warm for them, right? But the best part of the garden wasn't uh, that Adam and Eve were there, and it wasn't all this, this stuff that was there. It was that Adam and Eve were there with God, right? And God would show up in the garden, and he would walk with them and talk with them as the, as the, hymn, as the hymn goes, right? And th that's why it was this ideal place, not because of what was there, but because of who was there. And there was this, this uninterrupted, un, unseparated relationship between God and humanity. And this relationship between God and his people was marked by this togetherness and, and by this completeness and by this contentment and blessing and joy and peace. It was all right there in the garden. You see, the garden was a place of contentment and joy and peace. And we see that when we read the first couple of chapters of Genesis. But what we also see is that somebody else was observing that and didn't like it, right? And there was Satan who observed what was happening, and he thought, I can fix this. I can take what is really good and make it twisted. And so Satan saw this relationship between God and God's people and wanted to, to separate this togetherness and wanted to destroy this contentment and wanted to turn, and wanted to turn this joy into, into brow-beating labor, right? And so he did this by introducing sin to Adam and Eve, and sin changed everything. And it changed the relationship between God and his people. But God was already ready to fix what sin damaged. And when you go from Genesis chapter 2 to Genesis chapter 3, there is this whisper of restoration coming. Right? In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, God says this to Satan, about Satan. He says, he, says, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so he looks at Satan and says, there is one coming who will destroy you, and he will crush you. 
and you, you will strike his heel. You will hurt him, but he will crush you. And that's that first whisper of restoration and redemption coming. And, and if you fast forward in your Bible from, from that, uh, that first little echo in Genesis 3.15 all the way to the New Testament, <coughs> you, have, you have what started off as a hint becomes a shout in the Old Testament, right? Where Jesus, in, in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus declares this to all those who will hear him. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Right? And in doing this, Jesus is saying he is the one that's going to restore what, what, what Satan destroyed in the garden. He is the one that's going to fix what Satan, what Satan messed up for humanity. And he declares himself as the one. And he does this over and over and over again in the Gospels that he will be the one on the cross who will crush the head of Satan. And the power and the penalty of sin will, will, be, will have nothing of that anymore. There will be no more power to it. There will be no penalty to it because of what Jesus has done. And yes, Satan will strike his heel. And he will, he will because Jesus died, right? He died on the cross. He felt pain and suffering. But that Jesus will restore what, what sin damaged. And through him and through him alone... Is this relationship restored? That's what he's declaring. He's saying, in me, you have the relationship with God that Adam and Eve had in the garden. And he doesn't just say it in theory. He even says a little bit further in John 14, he introduces us to this, to this person called the Holy Spirit. Right? And in John 14, 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Which is just like the garden. Right? That, that God walks with us and talks with us again. As a matter of fact, what's, what's interesting, if you fast forward a little bit more in the New Testament, you go from the Gospels um, to Paul's writings. And Paul's writing this church in Galatia uh, who is struggling when Paul's writing to them with a few things. One of the things that, he's str that they're struggling with is they've got this new freedom in Christ, which is great. Yay, we love Jesus. But then they've got these people that are used to following the Hebrew laws. And they say, yay, Jesus, but we still need to do this. And we still need to do this because this is the way that, that God actually loves us is when we obey these rules. So Paul writes to them and says what's really Unique to me, I, I, I find it unique. He, he asked this, he says, in Galatians 3, 2, he says, let me, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing faith? Now, here's what Paul does, which, which I think is fascinating coming from the world we live in, because, because we would say, were you saved by works of faith or were you saved by the law? But what Paul does is he doesn't use that as evidence for being a Jesus follower, he says, no, no, no. Has your relationship with God been restored by receiving the Holy Spirit? Is God walking with you day in and day out just like he did with Adam and Eve because you followed the rules? Or is he doing that because you said yes to Jesus? You see, Paul is saying this helper that Jesus sent, that is the mark of our faith. We have God with us. This relationship has been restored. 
But here's the deal. The relationship has been restored. This garden-type relationship. But the garden hasn't been restored. Right? Right? Jesus' work is already done, but the realization of that work is still unfolding. Any guesses what book of the Bible, hint, hint, it's at the end, what book of the Bible talks about the garden being restored? Revelation, right? So if you go, you don't have to go there, but if you, if you fast forward to the end of your Bible, you, you do hit this book called Revelation, and it is this book about how Jesus restores not just the garden-type relationship, but the actual physical place of the garden, and it's called a new heavens and a new earth, and he restores the place where we get to physically be in the presence of God and get to experience that joy and contentment and peace that we kind of miss here, right? We miss it here. He restores a place where all that happens in the very presence of God. In this book, it shows how Jesus will deal this final blow to Satan, right? Because it says this in Revelation, two, in Revelation 20. It says, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire, right? So, so he will ultimately be dealt with. And when that happens, look at what happens next Just a, in, in, in Revelation 21, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first, uh, let's see, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, uh, coming down of heaven, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride and ordained for her husband, right? It's a new garden and look who's there. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be there as their God. Right? And so things will be garden-like, except I think they'll be even better than the garden. And here's why I think that. In the garden, it was Adam and Eve and God. In the new heavens and new earth, it's every tribe, every tongue. Every people will be there worshiping God. It says it's better because it's bigger. It's better because it includes us. It includes you and me. Y'all, the garden is where we were. Heaven is where we're going. Right? That new heaven and new earth is where we are going. Right? This is our gospel. In, in, in Luke chapter 2, and, and, and Tom read it, when the angels showed up to the shepherds, it said, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear, the shepherds were. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. You see, what the angels were declaring is that it started. The relationship is, a, is being restored and the place will be restored one day. The angels showed up to the shepherds and he, they said, guess what? It's happening, y'all. And here's what I love. Do you know what the shepherds did? They went back to work, didn't they? They got busy with sheep, didn't they? No. They left their work to go worship Jesus. You see, they 
understood that because Jesus is doing what only Jesus can do, we can rest. <coughs> Excuse me. Right? That this good news is good news of great joy, of great fun, of great play. Right? You see, Jesus has made a way for us to experience the contentment, joy, and peace found in a relationship with God. For those who believe, right, that Jesus has restored the relationship between God and man, for those who believe Jesus will one day restore the garden, we get to experience that Holy Spirit and get to experience that relationship in the here and now. That's our good news, and that's our gospel, because we have a promise that the place will be restored one day. Now, as you hear that, does it sound like good news? Right? Does it sound like good news that, that, that when you say yes to Jesus, you have the very Spirit of God with you, fully available to you, without, without barrier, without hindrance, and that one day you will be able to physically be in the presence of God? That is good news, isn't it? But what does that have to do with fun? Right? What does that have to do with busyness? Like I said at the beginning, fun is setting aside time to enjoy joy, right? And the reason that I think I can gravitate towards busyness and, and, and just wanting to kind of put my head down and keep going instead of having fun is because there are times where I don't believe that gospel is true, right? I, I, I don't believe that Jesus did all that restoration work. I don't believe that Jesus is the place for healing and contentment and joy. I feel like if I can check off my to-do list, that's contentment, peace, and joy. For all the, the, the taskmasters out there, it is a little bit of contentment, peace, and joy to check off that list, isn't it? But it is an ultimate because you know what happens tomorrow? There's a whole nother list. I've, sh I've shared with y'all my like contentment, peace, and joy to-do list life hack, haven't I? Make the very first thing you put on your list, make a list, and then you can always check one thing off the list, <laughs> right? Like you made a list, check, right? But I think I can gravitate towards business because I feel like and I act like Jesus hasn't done all that work. He hasn't given me the Holy Spirit that I don't have time to have fun. I, I've got to stay busy, that I act like Jesus won't restore a place for, for God to, to be physically, in, 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 for me and him to physically be in the same presence before each other. And so I just keep my head down and work. But here's what I've learned over the past few years, what I'm still learning, what I'm still trying not to feel guilty about, is that when I have fun, when I set aside time to enjoy joy, that by God's incredible grace and incredible mercy, I'm actually experiencing a little bit of that garden relationship. I'm experiencing a little bit of the new heavens and new earth. Because in the new heavens and new earth, the worries and the stresses that drive me towards busyness won't exist. And when I get to have fun and enjoy joy, I'm getting a taste of that new heaven and new earth. You see, fun gives us a taste of heaven. Doesn't that sound like fun, right? 
fun. Setting aside time to enjoy joy allows you and me, it allows us a place to look back at what God has done and a place to look forward of what, he, what we hope he will do to experience this joy and contentment and peace. Right? And when we have fun with other people, that's an even bigger taste of heaven, isn't it? Because we're all going to be together. Which also reminds me of a poem I heard once, to, to live above with the saints you love, all oh, that will be glory, but to live below with the saints you know, that's a different story. Right? One day, one day, right? I heard this great story of, of an interaction between a father and a son. It was, it was Crawford Loritz and his son, Brian Loritz, if you're familiar with them. And, and Brian was in, uh, I think he was in middle school at the time. He's the son, and, and he was playing a sport that he didn't particularly enjoy. And uh, because of who he is and who his father is, he had created this kind of 10-point logical reason why he should go ahead and drop out of the sport, right? So his dad's telling the story about his son uh, scheduled a meeting with him, because this was a very official meeting, uh, scheduled a meeting with him and, and sat down and presented all the 10 reasons why he needed to go ahead and drop out of this sport. And Crawford said, son, let me just ask you one great argument. Let me just ask you one question. Who paid for you to do this sport? Who paid for you uh, and, and for your uniform? Who paid your registration fee? Who paid for your bag? Who paid for your shoes? Who paid for the gas money to take you to and from practices? Who, who paid for all those things? And his son said, you, sir, you paid. And he said, that's right. So here's the new rule. The new rule is this. I pay, you play. Right? That's the rule. Now, here's why I love that story. Jesus paid so we can play. Right? Jesus paid so we can have fun, so that we can enjoy joy, so that we can experience delight as part of our Sabbath, as part of our, as part of our life. And here's what else that means. You know, particularly during the Christmas season, right? When we want our house to look like something that popped out of a Hallmark movie, right? We want all the decorations and all the smells. We want everything to be perfect. Here's what we need to know. Perfection rests on Jesus' shoulders, not ours. And you don't have to be perfect. You can have fun and embrace an imperfect Christmas. You don't have to have the Norman Rockwell meal. Right, you know, where everybody's sitting around, turkeys presented on the table. As a matter of fact, we can't because we kind of are more like the Adams family, aren't we? Right? That's kind of more our 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 life. Right? But we can play because Jesus paid. We don't have to have everything perfect. You see, on Jesus' death and, and and resurrection, that paved the way for you and me to have this this new heavens and new earth relationship with the God who loves us and who created us. Now, in my office, I'm not going to fire this. I know Feathers Day 2021 um, <laughs> made people, or 2022, when was that? That was this year, wasn't it? Makes y'all nervous when I bring stuff up on stage. Um, I'm not going to fire it because I don't want to put anybody's eye out because that's also part of Christmas tradition. Um, um, 
So, uh, so, but here's the deal. If you come in my office, there are certain things in my office that are there to remind me of things. This Nerf gun is there, one, to play with every so often because it's fun. But two, it's there to remind me that to have fun. It's there to remind me to, to, to ask this question, right? What is delightful for me today? What is delightful in my day? Because it, be, it could be lots of different stuff. It could be time with a friend that I get to have today. It could be a hike on a new trail that I'm going to do today. It could be, it could be uh, every Tuesday we have our all-staff meeting, which is great fun, and then we have lunch together afterwards, which is a whole lot of fun. And if you want to do the best tacos in Asheville, they're at this little taco truck right over here around the corner. They will change your life, I promise. Right? Right? Yeah. We get tacos, we eat them, we have fun together. That, that's a whole lot of delight. It could, be, it could be trying a new recipe or cooking an old recipe. Don't you love cooking those old recipes during the holidays? I mean, you load those things with cream of mushroom. You load them with sour cream, all the cheeses. Why? Because they are full of calories and full of memories, and they are fun, right? They are fun. It could, be, it could be trying a new recipe. I, I, I love when I come home and, and get to catch up with Stacy at the end of our day about what all happened in our day. It's fun. I love having my quiet time, a time of prayer and Bible reading. That, that's delightful in my day. But what this does, what this question does, is it helps me to enjoy joy in the moment. And so maybe this question will do the same for you. What is delightful today? What is delightful today? Like seriously, take a minute. It's Sunday. What's delightful today? Because the reason you get to find delight in it is because of what Jesus has done. Right? That is a taste of heaven. And today we get to take communion. And, 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 and as we come to the table and, and meditate on this, I want you to think about the sacrifice that Jesus made to restore this relationship between you and God so that you can enjoy joy, that he does give us the Holy Spirit, right? That one day he will bring heaven and earth together in this brand new way. And listen, I tell you, if you haven't said yes to that good news that the angel said brings great joy, then let today be the day you do that. And for those of you who have, um, we're going to come up to this table and take uh, a cracker, take juice. The, the, uh, the elders that are here will be up here and they will serve you so we don't have a bunch of hands digging around in there, right? It'll just be one hand and they'll sanitize before they do, right? And when you're ready, come on down and, and ask yourself that question as a prayer. Ask yourself before God, what is delightful to me today? What, where do I find joy, contentment, and peace that's available because of Jesus? And then, what if you decide to do that today? And decide, decide to do that delightful thing today? Enjoying joy. Let's pray. Jesus, as we do come to this table when we're, when we're ready, and, and, and I do, Jesus, help us to, to, to calm our minds and to calm our souls. And to be with you and to, to recognize the sacrifice you made so that we can have delight and great joy as part of our worship. And Father, 
May we just return that to you with a deep sense of gratitude that you did this for us. You didn't have to, right? You could have, you could have stayed a distant God like all the other gods, but you've loved us from the very beginning. And you've created us for relationship with you. And so you have made the way for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So the elders that are serving, if y'all could go ahead and come down. Um, uh, we've got the silver plates are regular crackers. The uh, white plates are gluten-free. So if you need one of the gluten-free ones, just, just let one of the elders know and, and um, they will uh, serve you. Okay, so whenever you're ready, just come on down. Matt's going to give us some, some, some thinking, praying music. Whenever you're ready, come on down. Now, as the taking of these elements, as we take them together, um, we are acknowledging that we believe and our faith is in Jesus to deal with the power and penalty of sin. That it is on Jesus' shoulders rests perfection. It is through Jesus we get to have a, a new heavens and a new earth relationship with God and one day a place where we get to dwell with God forever. And so if that is you, then let's take these elements together in remembrance of what Jesus has done. His body broken for us. And his blood shed for us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the gift that you have given us of life with you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.